Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. Welcome to the show. The winter season is rapidly approaching, so we invited back our friend and meteorologist, Jason Moreland, to give us his 2022 winter weather predictions. As Jason will explain, severe winter weather events are getting more dangerous and costly every year. You should prepare your people and your organization now before the temperatures drop. Jason will walk us through what to expect this winter and beyond, give tips and best practices for mitigating risks, and recommend the best resources to keep you informed. Let's listen in. Jason, welcome back, my friend. It's always great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Peter, for inviting me back on today. I'm just thankful that we made it through that somewhat turbulent hurricane season, but I'm glad to say that we've at least put one weather hazard behind us for at least now. (laughs) Indeed we have. Yeah, no kidding. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty, what are the most important things that organizations should understand about this next season we have, which is winter weather season? Well, first, I would say that winter weather can be incredibly difficult to forecast, even compared to some of those other weather hazards like tornado events and even landfalling hurricanes. In fact, you know, we can often see major forecast adjustments leading up to and even during major winter storm events. And so that's going to be something that we're going to have to be watchful for over the next several months. And it's going to be really important to have at least one person within each company closely watching the forecast for all of their staff. And then second, I would think that it's pretty easy for the general consumer to misinterpret maybe some of the weather trends that we've seen during some of the prior winters. For example, there's been a general increase in temperatures, and oftentimes we're dealing with temperatures at least two to four degrees warmer than average for the entire course of the winter season. And so that would maybe lead some to believe that winter storm impacts are on the decrease, but instead we're actually seeing just the opposite. We've seen an increase or an upward trend in the number of significant snowstorms along the northeast U.S. coastline, and we're also seeing some major cold blasts that can extend well into the southern U.S., including the deep freeze event that we saw in deep south Texas in February of 2021. Ooh, don't want that again. But now that you say that, can you give us a quick reminder of what we saw last winter and any lessons learned? So to start off with what happened last December, I think many across the eastern two-thirds of the country were wondering if they were even going to see a winter for that year because much of the central and eastern two-thirds of the country were well above normal, basically anywhere from the Rockies eastward towards the east coast. We saw 10 states, in fact, across the central and southern U.S., experienced their warmest December on record. So it was a much warmer than normal start to the winter season. And then right at the flip of a switch, it seemed like from late December into January, we saw the pattern reverse across the central and eastern U.S. with cooler than average conditions across the Great Lakes, Ohio Valley, and Northeast. As we got a little deeper into the winter, February was a bit of a mixed bag. But for the winter season as a whole, much of the U.S. experienced a milder than average season. But even with that warmer than normal winter, we saw several notable winter storm events. So what you're saying is the weather continues to be fickle. (laughs) Yeah, I think last winter was a great microcosm of that trend. And, you know, you can have a really warm start to the winter, but that's got no bearing on what the rest of the season could bring. Well, generally speaking, how has winter weather changed over the past few years? And what do those changes mean? As I may have stated before, warm temperature records are definitely outpacing record cold. And for example, last winter was 
the third warmest on record across the nation in terms of overall temperature. And so this is a concept that you may have heard about recently within the media, the polar vortex, a very strong current of winds in the upper levels of the atmosphere near the poles. That current is often weakened or disturbed when there's a major warm-up happening near the Arctic. And that cold air does have to be displaced somewhere else. And that includes us here across the United States. So although we're seeing prolonged periods of warmth, we're also getting major cold shots that can often last one, two, maybe three plus weeks at a time there. So we can definitely see major winter weather, even in an overall warmer climate. Do you have any more specifics that you can share on what we can expect from this year's winter season? For this year, it's looking like it's going to be a third consecutive La Nina. So the winter weather forecast may look very similar to what we've seen ahead of the last two winters. We're still dealing with a 22-year mega drought across much of the West. And really, it's the winter and spring months in which we can usually expect the majority of annual precipitation. And unfortunately, much of the winter into the spring is looking to be both warmer and drier than normal. So we're likely to see those water reservoir levels continue to deplete as we head deeper into early 2023. And that could also have some negative influence on whether or not there's going to be water restrictions as we head into the spring and summer months. For the Pacific Northwest, it could be a bit opposite side of the spectrum there. So cold and wet is really the story across the Northwest U.S., and the same can be said across much of Western Canada. As we start to head a little bit farther toward the east, the Northern Plains also looks to be much cooler than average, and there could also be multiple opportunities for significant snowfall events. Across the Southern Plains and the Southeast United States, so we can expect a continuation of warmer and drier than average conditions, this could be an unfavorable setup for wildfire activity, so that would be one thing to keep an eye on for later on in the year. And then finally, as we get into the Ohio Valley, the Great Lakes into the Northeast, this could be a mixed bag, so to speak. So it's almost equal chances of whether or not we see an above average or cooler than average season in terms of those temperatures. And that's also going to set up as the battleground where a lot of storm systems are likely to progress across the country. So if you have interest across the Mid-South into the Ohio Valley, this is one of those prime areas where we often see mixed precipitation, oftentimes in the form of freezing rain or sleet, which can arguably be more detrimental to transportation than even heavy snowfall. So that would be one thing to look out for. And then across the Northeast, again, a mixed bag of conditions, but given trends that we've seen over the last few years, even in a warmer than average winter, there's still likely to be at least two to three high-end winter storms this year. Can you briefly explain the difference between the La Nina and the El Nino effect on winter weather? So La Nina is nothing more than a broad area of cooler than normal water temperatures to the west of South America within the equatorial Pacific. And these broad-based changes in water temperature can have a large influence on the jet stream across the northern hemisphere. So the jet stream is typically weighted across the northern half of the country. So that leaves much of the southern third of the U.S. drier and warmer than average, especially across the southeast where we often have a high-pressure cell that sets up and that causes more stable weather conditions, at least for the bulk of the winter months. But as we head a little bit farther toward the north into the northern Rockies, eastward through the Great Lakes, the jet stream is likely to remain very active with a lot of Pacific energy and a lot of Pacific moisture heading into those regions. And so there's going to be multiple opportunities for winter storms in that area. How do you think winter weather could impact employees? I know you touched on this a bit before, but just mixed precipitation being pretty deadly. But what else should organizations look out for to warn their employees about? So each and every year, there's approximately 2,000 people that are killed in auto crashes related to snow or icy roadways. 
and an additional 200,000 people are left injured from different auto incidents. So, you know, a lot of people think that this is just a northern U.S. problem, but in actuality, about 70% of the U.S. population lives in what we consider to be a snowy region. And that doesn't include parts of the Mid-South that do get occasional snow and ice events like Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, the list goes on there. So auto crashes are definitely going to be something that's going to be on the rise over the coming months. And I would say that a lot of these accidents can be avoided because one thing that's often overlooked during the winter months is going to be the issuance of winter weather advisories. And a lot of times we don't pay much attention to those because they don't necessarily have that winter storm watch or winter storm warning feel to them. But they do mean that there could be inclement weather conditions, often involving at least minor to moderate accumulation of snow and ice. And if you don't need to be on the roadway during those winter weather advisories, it's best to stay safe as much as possible and off the roads. And what kind of property impacts do we need to watch for? So in terms of property impacts, we could see a multitude of things. One of those is power outages, and those power outages could be long-lasting. In fact, last year we saw a crippling ice storm that impacted much of western Tennessee, including the Memphis metro. Some people were without power for an upwards of five to seven days. So that's one thing to definitely prepare for well ahead of any winter storm. And then there's also the more common things like frozen pipes and access to clean drinking water. Sometimes if the incident is bad enough, especially uh, in southern parts of the country where we're not as we're not as weather or winter weather resilient, uh, we can definitely see these things percolate more. And then finally, there is the ongoing energy crisis and the threat of rising energy costs. So I know that a lot of the focus may be on Europe, given the geopolitics in that area. But also in late October, the national media reported that heating oil and diesel inventories across both New York and New England were around a third of where they normally are for this time of the year. And there was also a report from the CEO of Eversource, which is New England's largest energy provider. They too have warned that electric reliability across New England could experience some shortages due to the lack of natural gas this year. So overall, the forecast is calling for maybe near average temperatures. But at the same time, if we get any long duration period of cooler than average weather across the Northeast, we could have some concerns about the electric supply within that region. But going back to more common things that we see year to year, I know that space heater use is a major component during the winter months, but they also cause roughly 2000 fires a year. And we saw the downside of a space heater last January um, in the Bronx. There was one particular event that I remember that stands out. We did alert on this, but there was a pretty significant apartment fire that resulted in at least 17 deaths. And it came out that it was improper use of a space heater that caused that fire. So if you are going to use a space heater, just know that there's pros and cons. And uh, you definitely want to know how to use it properly to avoid any chance of a notable incident. And then another thing that is still being used quite commonly is the kitchen stove to warm your home in the event that you don't have a working heater. And so that's another cause of carbon monoxide poisoning. A lot of people may not notice this, but it's really the household kitchen that is the main source of carbon monoxide within the household. So that's certainly one thing to consider. And then finally, when it comes to shoveling snow, I think that this is maybe a little less of a hidden danger when it comes to winter weather. But just to reemphasize, there's at least a couple hundred cardiac-related deaths in the U.S. per year. And it's not just a lot of physical strain for the first time in several months for those that may be out and about shoveling snow off of their driveway. You also should consider that the winter months also cause the arteries to constrict more so given those cooler than average conditions that we often see during December, January, and February. So that can also restrict the blood flow across the human body. And we do see an uptick in cardiac-related incidents. 
Wow, the downstream effects are pretty substantial. And I think a lot of people just don't think about it because it doesn't happen very often. So thank you for those warnings. And I would ask all listeners just to think twice before they take an action that they would normally do under warmer weather. So that's great. Absolutely. What are some of the top things that organizations need to consider as they prepare for this winter season? Well, I think they should also consider that you may have workers that are on site and there's going to be the potential for significant cold weather in the form of hypothermia. Definitely be on the lookout for things like wind chill advisories and warnings, especially if you're in the northern tier of the country, especially across Minnesota. There's definitely weather that we're used to up there. But when the wind chill starts to dip below 50 and 60 below zero, that could have major impacts on people that are even well familiar with significant cold weather. And then when it comes to travel impacts, each and every winter, we see these major nor'easters that can cause literally thousands upon thousands of flight delays, if not cancellations, in a 24-hour period. And these can have cascading impacts from coast to coast. Even for areas that are not being directly impacted by the storm itself, we see that these winter storms can have downstream consequences. And then also the remote worker. We've seen an expansion of remote work throughout the country. And so this is placing a lot of people in areas that they may not be as familiar with the local weather. And for example, if you're moving into a warmer or quote unquote warmer climate, you may be in an area like Tennessee or northern Alabama where winter storms may not be the main topic that comes up in the news each and every day. But when you do get that occasional freezing rain or snowstorm, you're likely going to be basically stuck at home, maybe without power for a couple of days. So that's certainly something to consider. And then I think it's really important that we assess and inspect our structures to mitigate risk and make repairs well before a winter weather storm is ever on the horizon. And so that includes considering where you're going to move your vehicles and where you're going to secure loose items in the event that a significant storm is going to be headed in your direction. You want to review your county mitigation plans as well, well in advance to alert you on the potential of any local threats that may be unique to your location compared to somewhere else in America. And you also want to stock up on those supplies, whether it be de-icing, salt, sand, heaters, generators, or other things that could be in short supply once the forecast turns more unfavorable. I know that we're still dealing with some logistics issues when it comes to inventories around the country. I know that there's been some improvement in recent months, but certainly as soon as the forecast makes a turn for the worse, a lot of those more common preparation items are going to be in short supply. And when it comes to protecting their people, I really think that we should at least have someone assigned to keeping up with winter weather forecasts on a daily, if not hourly basis, especially when the weather becomes more active, really become more familiar with the National Weather Service and the different products that they issue. The sooner that you can get the early word on a winter storm watch, the more safe and prepared your business will be when those conditions start to go downhill. And in terms of overall preparation, definitely want to communicate preparedness and communication plans to all employees. They need to be the ones conducting trainings alongside you, along with those exercises and drills, just to make sure that there's no gaps in the overall plan. They could be the ones that really tip you off when something really needs to be adjusted. And in terms of encouraging employees to devise their own winter weather preparedness, I think that's just as important as anything else. If they don't have their own winter weather preparedness for their own family, then that may make them less accessible to your needs as winter storms develop. And then finally, include all employees in the discussion to identify any gaps, which I kind of touched on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Involvement and personal responsibility are both very important things. Well, with that in mind, before we wrap up, what websites or other resources do you recommend for up-to-date information on winter weather? 
So weather.gov is the official website of the National Weather Service. If you want a quick snapshot view as to what's happening around the country when it comes to real-time weather, that is going to be the best and official place to check things out. You'll see the latest winter storm watches, warnings, and advisories there. And for overall winter weather preparedness, ready.gov has a great winter weather section that provides tips on how to stay safe during the winter months. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you for joining us today. I always am reminded when I speak to you that there's these downstream effects of each weather season that you forget about when you're just coming out of 100 degree temperatures and going into winter. So thank you for the reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I have to remind myself, it seems like after tracking tropical storms for three to six months out the year, we have to revisit what happened last winter just to remember what could be headed down over the coming months. That's right. Tend to get stuck in the the now instead of thinking about the future. Well, if any of our listeners want to connect with you or have follow-up questions, how can they track you down? Uh, yes, you can contact me via LinkedIn. I'm always available there. Or if email is better, you can send me a quick email at jason.morland at alertmedia.com. Excellent. Thank you. And thanks for listening. We hope you'll follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player, or subscribe to the show at Alert Media's website. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and share. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.